Hello, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, the lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church. And I just wanted to say thank you for joining us here online. It is our prayer that today's message would be helpful and meaningful to your life. If you're in the South Atlanta area, I would personally like to invite you to come to one of our services at 9 a.m., 10.30 a.m., or 12 p.m. We are located at 4401 Highway 155 North in Stockbridge, Georgia. You may visit our website for more information about our church at www.sccview.net. Again, that website is www.sccview.net. I want to say it again. Thank you again for listening, and I hope you have a wonderful day. Well, good morning, everybody. It is so good to see you today. We're glad that you are here. It's going to be an exciting day. Today we're continuing our series we call Share. And it's, it's, uh, you see on your outline there that we're doing hashtag come and see. Come and see. Now I hope that you received your salt and your flashlight on the way in. Uh, we're hope you're going to need that, so keep that handy. Well, today I want to talk to you about how to get someone to come to church with you. <laughs> That's just pretty, just right there on it, right? I mean, like, there's no hiding that agenda, right? It's Easter, and it's that time. So, how to get somebody to come to church with you? How many of you want somebody to come to church with you? Let me see your hands. Awesome. That's fantastic. I was looking to see who didn't raise their hands. I was going to pray that maybe warts break out on... No, mind. Okay. <laughs> no, uh... We're inviting people to come. Rhonda and I have about four people that uh, do not go to church committed to uh, coming to Easter Sunday, so we, we want uh, you to have the same opportunity. Today I want to tell you why it's important. The reason that you should invite someone to church is because God values people. You know, the world devalues people, but God values people. You may not know this about me, but uh, I, I, matter of fact, about three weeks from now, I think we'll celebrate... Uh, 21 years of being the pastor of this church in just about three weeks. Yes, thank you very much. Thank you. I'm looking forward to the day when I say, hey, I've been here 41 years. You know, That's right. Uh, never mind. That's a story for another day. But anyways, uh, to, in order to uh, supplement our income, I was uh, doing a little bit of buying and buying cars and selling cars and stuff like that. So in order to get the value, I would actually... Uh, go to the Kelly Blue Book. It looks like this, Kelly Blue Book. In that book, it tells you the value of a vehicle. So I had to go buy that book in order if I was going to buy a vehicle and going to resell it, I could not pay more than the value of that vehicle. It told me the value of that vehicle. And so what I want to tell you is this, is that when you want to know the value of a person, when you want to know the value of you, you don't go to some book, Kelly Blue Book, you go to God's book, God's Word. Amen? God says you are valuable. And this is so important today because, you know, that you're valued. The world tells you that if you've done this, then you've been devalued. If you've, if you've had this sin in your life, you've been devalued. You know, if you've been divorced, you're devalued. If you've had this, you're devalued. I'm going to tell you something. That's what the world says, but not what God says, right? That you're valued. I don't care what kind of mark you got on you. I want to tell you that through the blood of Jesus, it can be cleansed. And, and when he looks at you, he sees a person of value. If you're still breathing, you still have value. And that's why we invite people. 
Jesus wanted to make sure we got this, and I, I, I don't want to run past this today. Jesus wanted to make sure that you knew how valuable you were, so he was saying, listen, he was with his disciples, he was teaching, he said, you know, I want you to know that you're more valuable than the birds of the air. He says, you know what? God takes care of every one of those birds. He makes sure that they have food to eat. He makes sure that they have everything that they need. And, and as and is, is inexpensive as a bird is, is, that, is, is uh, as much as the, it seems like that bird, had, bird doesn't have a lot of value, value that God knows every time that sparrow drops out of the sky. You've heard the song. His eye is on the sparrow. Okay. i just seen a few of you awake, right? Yes, thank you, Jackson. Don't encourage it, all right? You've heard that song, right? And it has meaning because it's in the Scripture. God says that. And, uh, and so God's eye is on the sparrow. That means He sees every one of them that, that when one goes to the ground and falls and loses life, God knows that. And Jesus said, I'm going to tell you that you're more important than a sparrow. And if God's eyes on a sparrow, how much more is it on you? And he said, let me just take it one step further. He says, God's eyes, not just on the sparrow, but God's eyes on every hair on your head. Now, don't laugh at me. I know you right now, you're looking at my bald head. Like, yeah, God don't have a lot of problem there, does he? God, you know, I, listen, Rhonda loves me. I know that. I know my wife, I know she loves me to the nth degree. I know that. And she knows that I love her. I mean, like, she is my, she's my lady. You know, she's my woman. She's just everything. She's it. She, she knows that I love her, and uh, I know that she loves me. But I want to tell you something. Never in this one time have I ever went, on, went out with her and said, now let me just count the hairs on your head. Never have I done that, you know? And so, and you know, like with my head, even though that it doesn't have many, never she said, okay, let me see. Let's see, that's minus one, uh, She's never done that. And what I want to tell you is this, is that she didn't know, she never knew that every time one of those hairs fell out of my head and it was never coming back. She didn't know that, but God knew it. God knew it and said, okay, now we need another funeral right here. Matter of fact, with me, when I, uh, you know, my hair started coming out and so uh, I just, you know, in the shower, I'd see one laying on the uh, shower floor and I'd just stop right there and have a moment of silence. I knew that baby wasn't coming back. He was dead. <laughs> but you see what I'm talking about? I mean, God knows that about you. So when someone tries to tell you that you're no good, that, you know, you're stupid, you're not smart enough, you're not pretty enough, you know, you don't have enough money, you don't have this, you don't have that, and they try to devalue you, I want to tell you, you need to look up because Jesus said your Heavenly Father says you are highly valued, you're highly favored, and that you're worthy, and you're His child, and He's got you at a high value. Amen? Amen. You're look, you listen, you're looking at priceless right here. According to God, Matter of fact, you know you're worth millions, don't you? Everybody in this room is worth millions. You say, oh, you don't look at my bank account. Oh, let me just tell you something. How many of you, got, how many of you can see today? Let me see your hands. You can see. All right? Would you take a million dollars for your eyes? I guess you're worth a million then, huh? Okay. Something to think about. So we're going to move right into this. Yeah. She's like, huh? Some of you are going to wake up tonight. Oh, yes, I am valuable. There we go. Look at what Jesus, let me move into John's gospel. John chapter 1, Jesus taught us this whole principle. Jesus, let me, as we open up with John chapter 1 in just a moment, I've got to explain this to you because John the Apostle is writing this and he's writing about John the Baptist. John the Baptist has been out baptizing people and he is the first prophetic voice that's happened in over 400 years. 
And now all of a sudden John is beginning to talk to people about God. And, and so Jesus comes on the scene. So let's pick it up. In John 1 and 35 it says this. It says the next day John was there again with two of his disciples. He was baptizing. He was baptized. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When he said that, he got everybody's attention because they, was, they thought he was blaspheming about God. And then look at the next verse with me. Verse 1, uh, 37 through 39. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Now, would you take your pen and circle these words? You ready? Circle this word, come. Would you circle that word? Come, he replied, and. Would you circle the word and? You will what? See, would you circle the word see? On the count of three, I want you to read those three words that you circled out loud. You ready? One, two, three. Come and see. Come on, a little louder. Come and see. Come and see. That's what Jesus said. Come and see. Come and see. So they went and what? And they saw. They saw where he was staying and spent the day there. So what I want you to do now, if you take your salt packet out and you'll take your light out, this is what I want you to do. I want you to keep these handy because we're going to shake the salt and shine the light. All right, you ready? So let me just put it to you this way, okay? It's coming up on the screen, the statement. I don't want you to forget. We're going to do this. I do the bringing. Now shake your salt. You ready? I do the bringing. Jesus does the changing. You ready? We got that? Let's do it together. You ready? Come on, shake your salt. I do the bringing. Jesus does the changing. Come on, one more time. You ready? I do the bringing, and Jesus does the changing. That's right. So we're going to shake the salt and shine the light today. All right. Okay. Somebody might write a song about that one day. Okay, so how do you do this? How do you invite someone to church? How do you get them to come, that is? Not just invite them, get them to come. Number one is this. Don't try to explain something, but invite others to experience someone. Wow. Wow, that's good. Going back into the story, John 1 and 40, it says this. Andrew, Simon's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who followed Jesus. So one of John's disciples, the Baptist, John the Baptist's disciples was Andrew, and now he's following Jesus. Look what happened. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother who? Simon, right. To find his brother Simon. The first thing he did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. Now would you get your pen ready and circle this next statement. You ready? And he brought him to who? Would you circle that? And he brought him to Jesus. And he brought him to Jesus. Again, you know, we have our core four that we talk about every week. And we talk about how we're here to uh, connect with God and His family, growing God's character, serving God's church, and share God's message. And Jesus was teaching us how to do this. Now look what happened. Jesus looked at him. He was looking at Simon. And he said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas. Now that's not... Bocephus. Okay, those of you old country music fans, you know that was Hank Williams Jr., right? Okay. Uh, you, were not, you will be called Cephas, which means, which when translated, is Peter. So notice that what happened. Andrew did the same thing. He brought Peter to Jesus, and he said, or Simon to Jesus, and he, said, he introduced him to him, and look what happened. He said, I, know, I want you to experience someone. So he brought Jesus there. He brought him to Jesus. And then what Jesus did was he changed his name. Notice that. 
as soon as Jesus found him, he said, okay, you know, no longer are you going to be called Simon, but you're going to be called Cephas, which is Peter. You're going to be called Peter. Now, why did he do that? I'll tell you why. Because Peter had a bad reputation, or Simon had a bad reputation. He was a hothead. He was a guy that was always very volatile, that would go off in any moment on anybody. I mean, if you, wanted to be, if you didn't want to be told, don't get around Simon, because Simon was a hothead, he would do that. He was so volatile, and he couldn't be counted on. Everybody was sort of afraid to get around him, because he was this guy that nobody really liked. And Jesus, when he met Jesus, he experienced Jesus. Jesus said, listen... Because you're my follower, I want you to know I'm changing your name. No longer are you going to be lived by your label anymore of a hothead, of a person that can't be counted on. Now I'm going to call you Peter, which means rock. In other words, he says, you used to be uh, flim-flamsy all the time with your temperament and your emotions. They would fly, you'd fly off the handle. But from this point on, you're going to be Peter. Here's what I want you to know, is that Jesus did not speak to his past. He spoke to his future. Did you hear that? Too many of you sitting in this room, and myself included, we allow people to remind us and speak about our past, right? We let them bring up our past. Every time we start going forward, there's somebody that reminds us of what we did or where we used to be. But I want to tell you something. God doesn't do that. Thank God for Jesus because Jesus died on the cross. And if you ask God to forgive you, he wiped your sins clean, not only of you, but from his memory. God doesn't remember your past anymore. He forgave that. It's under the blood of Jesus Christ. And God is only speaking to your future. Amen? Somebody, let's give God a hand for that. Isn't that awesome? That's awesome. Listen, I'm sorry about the past. There's things in my life I wish I had not have done. How many of you have something in your past you wish you hadn't have done? Let me see your hand. Okay, great. We're all in good company, right? So listen, we can't do any. God can't even change the past. So we quit reliving it, right? And so when you come to know Jesus... He begins to change your name. Now notice, when Jesus would start the church, Peter would be the one guy that would start it. He would he become this, this flim-flamsy guy, this guy, hot-headed, whatever. Jesus transfer, uh, transformed his life in such a way that he began to be the first preacher that we know on the rock. On the rock. And so it's important for you to understand that. That Peter was, was, a name was changed from Simon to Peter because Jesus did not want him to live by his labels of his old life. Can I talk to you just a second? I don't think that you should have to live by your old labels of your old life as well. And the only way to do that is that you come to Jesus Christ, come to know Him, and let Him change your destination. No longer let your past be an anchor to where you're going. Amen? Amen. Okay, you got your salt and light ready? Here we go. You ready? Come on. You got your salt? Here we go. I do the bringing... And Jesus does the changing. Okay, you're about to catch it. You ready? Come on, one more time. I do the bringing, and Jesus does the changing. All right. Okay, let's go to number two. You ready? Number two is this, is stop trying to convince people to love what we love, but to try what we love. Did you get that? Don't try to get people to love what we love, but get them to try what we love. And so that's how we get people to come to church. Now, notice this. Uh, in John 1 and 43, it says this. The next day, Jesus decides to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said, follow who? Notice what Jesus said. Jesus said, hey, 
I want you to follow me. He didn't say, I want you to fall in love with me. I want to be your savior. He didn't say any of that. He said, just follow me. In other words, try it. Try it, is what he said. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him. Now look what happened. When he found the one Mo- we found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph, Nathanael said this, uh, the Naz- I'm sorry, the son of Joseph, the Nazareth. Can anything good come from there? Nathaniel asked. What he was saying was, listen, there's nothing good that can come from that town. I don't care who you say it is. So he was saying, listen, I'm not going. I'm not going. People have asked that about me. They asked the city I come from, the little town I come from, Monroe, Georgia, which is about an hour from here. They said, can anything good come from there? And they look at me and say, can anything good come from there? I said, yeah, Rhonda came from there. Hallelujah. That's right. So he goes on to say, can anything come, good come from there? Notice what Phil did, did, Phil did not do. Phil did not try to get him to love what he loved. He just tried to get him to try what he loved. And notice these next three words that he said. Nathaniel asked, would you read these three words with me? Come on, let's read them out loud. Come and come and see. Come and see. You don't have to fall in love with it. It don't have to be the best thing in your world. But just come and try. Come and see. Come and see. Now, there's been many times in my life to where I've tried to get people to experience things. Like, when I believe in something, everybody in the office will tell you, anybody that knows me, when Jeff is sold on something, he tries to sell everybody else. I mean, like, you know, uh, several years ago, probably about 19 years ago, I had a friend of mine who went out to Arizona and started, it was in a mission church out there. And uh, I had the privilege of going out and and, uh, preaching several times for him in a, a week's span. And while I was out there, he took me to the Grand Canyon. Rhonda was not able to go with me. I stood on the side of the Grand Canyon, and I just want you to know that is one of the most awesome sights I've ever experienced. I mean, I can't explain it to you. I saw it on television, saw pictures, whatever, but I was like, whoa, it's breathtaking. By the way, it's the biggest ditch I've ever seen. Okay? I mean, it's just huge, right? It was huge. And now I was like, whoa. And so when I come back home, I was like, Rhonda, you have got to see the Grand Canyon. I said, you know, I started explaining it all to her, how vast it was. And the more I explained it to her, the less interested she got. I was like, wait, no, 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 you don't get it. I mean, it's like, you standing right here, there's nothing in front of you. And it's like a mild day. It's like, whoa, awesome. And the rocks are all this color. And they change because it's just beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So about two years later, I saved up. I got her on a plane. We flew out to Arizona. We've got, a, we've got a rental car. We drove to the Grand Canyon. And I never will forget when she got out and she walked to the side of that Grand Canyon and she walked up to the edge. First of all, it was like this. You know? She walked up to the edge of the Grand Canyon. And when she saw that, it was like, I saw on her face, it was like, whoa, this is, this is so awesome here. And you could just experience, you just knew there was a God in heaven when you looked at that. And so what I'm trying to say is that Sometimes you can't just get, you can't explain things. You just have to experience those. Do you agree with that? I don't know who, I don't know who. I don't know somebody in my life, somewhere down my childhood, I don't know who, but somebody gave me a taste of chocolate cake. I don't know, somebody did that. I don't know who. 
But I'm telling you what, I am so glad that they did. Because I was one of those finicky kind of eaters, you know what? Like, I just wouldn't eat, you know, anything. And somebody one day talked me into chocolate cake. I don't know if they did the airplane, hey, open up, yeah, you know. I don't know what they did. But whatever, they, I'm so thankful to God because that was yummy to my tummy, right? And I can tell you how good chocolate cake is. Maybe you've never had it. Friend, but you'll never know until you dip your fork into one of those good desserts and, and you put it in your mouth. I'm telling you, it'll make your tongue beat your mouth to death. It's good. And so we can't, we have to say, come and try, try it, try it, try it. We can't say, you know, just love it. We have to say, try it. And that's all we're asking you to do. And by the way, we're having a Friday night service that'll be the same as our weekend services. And if you can come to one of those, like you can look around this room right now, and if we have another, you know, 50 people to 60 people show up in here, there's not going to be seats for anybody else. So we're asking some of you to help us, you know, to by coming to a 9 or to a 12 or to the Friday night service. It'll all be the same. And by the way, if you come to Friday night, I'm going to buy you ice cream. Brewster's ice cream is going to be here Friday night. Am I bribing you? Yes. Absolutely, I am. So if you want ice cream, come on Friday night, all right? Okay, so let's look at the next verse, John 47 and, and, uh, through 49. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. How do you know me, Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, would you read what's with me underlined? You ready? Come on. You are the Son of God. See that? Once he tried him, he loved him. But he could not love him until he tried him. And so that's what we're doing, trying to get everybody to try. Why? Because we want to shake the salt and shine the light. You ready? Got your salt shaker? You ready? Come on. Let's say it together. You should have it by now. Ready? Come on. I do the bringing. Jesus does the changing. Right? Come on one more time. I do the bringing. Jesus does the changing. He does the changing. Okay, that takes us to number three. How do I get someone to come to church? Well, here we go. Your faith should be, your faith should be personal, but not private. Your faith should be personal, but not private. In Matthew 5 and 13, Jesus picks us up, talking about us, how that we're to invite people, just like He showed us. Remember, He showed us that Andrew and, and Simon and all those guys and Philip, all those Use the same method that Jesus did, and that's what we're to do. Jesus said this. Would you read what's underlined with me as we start Matthew 5 and 13? Let's read it. You ready? You are the salt of the... Okay, you're the salt of the earth. He said, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled on by men. Now, let me explain this to you because that doesn't make any sense in our day and time. Matter of fact, in Jesus' day... Uh, salt was a very valuable, valuable commodity. And matter of fact, some people were paid in salt. That's how we got the statement that says this, you're not worth your salt. Uh, that's where that come from. But also in Jesus' day, they didn't have electricity. You know, like they didn't have microwave ovens. I know that's hard to believe for some of you that we didn't have that. Uh, you know, they had these ovens. These, they didn't have electric ranges or anything like that. They actually had a clay uh, oven that was built outside. It was sort of like a, a dome that was made out of clay. You know, like when you was in maybe elementary school, how that you form something out of clay and you put it in the kilts and you got that. Like my mom still has those things on her shelves, you know. Anyways, she's proud of them. I don't know why. 
But, but in Jesus' day, so the, so the oven was built outside. And what they would do is they would put the fire underneath that, that clay and then make a little rack inside, the, uh, inside of that to bake their bread and so forth. Well, what they also did was this. They would take salt and they would put salt on the ground, cover it really good before they put the fire in there, before they put the wood or the coals in there. Why? Because that salt would help the heat. Uh, it continued to hold its heat and that it could cook the food longer. It was almost like coals as well. And so, after that was done, after they had the fire on top of the salt, then the salt had lost its flavor, had lost its saltiness, and it wasn't salty anymore. So they would scrape that out. Every time they would get ready to do it, scrape it out, and then the salt would just be spread on the ground, and people would walk by and trample all over that salt. That's what Jesus was saying. He was saying that, listen, when you're when you're no longer when you're the salt is no longer has its saltiness, it's no good. It should be trampled on by men. That's what he was talking about. Then he says, you know, you're the salt of the earth. And so we have flavor to it. So what does salt do? Well, salt preserves. Would you agree with that? Anybody had any country ham? Let me see your hand. Okay, yeah. Like when you take a bite of that, it's like, whoa! Salty, right? It's salt preserved. That's what salt does. Salt also keeps things from going bad by preserving. And as Christians, Jesus said, we're the salt of the earth. Do you know that if all the Christians were out of the, off the planet earth, that the earth would destroy itself in a very short time? Matter of fact, if you read the end of Scripture in Revelation, you begin to understand that when the church is taken out, it only takes about seven years and the earth's destroyed. Why? Because, because all the good's gone. So listen, I'm not talking about this building when I say the church, but you, when you are in the, in the earth and on this earth and you have morals and values that are godly, then you're keeping it from going crazy. I mean, that's the only thing that's keeping our world from going crazy is people like you and me that are saved by God. It preserves. Salt also gives flavor. Would you agree with that? Hallelujah. I would not have made it through some family reunions without it. Neither would you. Come on, somebody. Listen, everybody in your family can't cook. All right? Why is it the ones that can't cook are the ones that's always parading it around? I mean, have you ever noticed that? Like, maybe my family's different, but I don't know. But it seems like the one person that cannot cook is the one that always comes around and dips some on everybody's plate. And listen, you know what? I don't know. I guess in my family, since I'm a pastor, they think I like everything. So everybody comes up and says, oh, Jeff, you got to try this. Oh, Jeff, you got to try this. And I'm like, pass the salt, please. I'm telling you, the salt shaker has saved my life many a time in those situations. If you don't like it, just cover it with salt and you can eat it, right? Okay, maybe not you but me. That's the way it happened. I don't have time to tell you about some other stuff, but we'll move on. You see, we're to have... Uh, salt gives flavor, and that's what Christians' lives do to the world, is that we give flavor to the world. If we make it good, is what I'm trying to say. Without you, without you following Christ, without you having God's convictions in your life, then guess what? The world would not know good. And, and when people get around you because you've got God and, and you're living your very best you can for God, guess what? You make, it, you make them taste, you, you give life a good taste. You're a good taste to their mouth or to their life, to the, what they see. They, there's hope because of you. The other thing I would say is that salt makes us thirsty. Would you agree with that? Like, I'm one of those guys, listen, if you ever go to a ball game with me, I'm, I'm just, I'm just making a mess. Like, I am going to eat a whole bag of salted peanuts. 
It's the only time, you know, if I go to a race or if I go to a ball game or something, I'm going to get me a bag of peanuts and I'm going to make a mess because I'm going to crack every one of them and I'm going to eat every one of them as well. And, uh, and so also because I've eaten those salty peanuts, I have about four Cokes along with that, you know, because my mouth is so dry. I have to have water or something to drink. And so after eating a whole bag of peanuts, man, I've done devoured, you know, three or four soft drinks and a, and a water or something. Salt makes us thirsty. I, I uh, heard of this farmer one time who had these uh, little calves in his pasture and he couldn't get them to drink. They needed to drink water. So what he did was he went out and bought a salt block and put it out there. And those calves would go over and lick that salt block. And he said, man, they drink all the water that you had after that. You see that God realized that in the world that people did not know that they needed the salt. They needed Him. And so what He's done, He's placed you in their life. He's placed you in their life. And He's placed you in your life. And He said, you're a salt block. When they come by you, they're going to see and they're going to get thirsty for what you have. And this, you listen, in our community, our church, Stockbridge Community Church, is a salt block in our community. That means we make people thirsty for what we have. And that is Jesus Christ. So I want you to know, wherever you are right now with your neighborhood, you're the salt block in your neighborhood. You're the salt on your job to where everybody may be ridiculing you, making fun of you, you know, cutting you down. I want to tell you what, don't you change one bit. You're the salt block there. And they're getting thirsty for what you have. Because they're ridiculing you doesn't mean that they don't believe in you. It just means that you've made them so thirsty they don't know what to do and they got to give in sooner. They're going to die. That's why they won't shut up talking about you. You've got them to that point. And so I want you to understand that. And then he goes on to say this in Matthew 5. And 14, he says, you're the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under bowls. Instead, they put it on stands that gives light to everyone in the house. So light illuminates. Again, I've got to go back to Jesus' culture here. In Jesus' day, you know, people didn't have electricity where you go flip on the lights, right? And so they would have something like kerosene lanterns. You ever seen any of those kerosene lanterns? It was something like that, that they would, they would actually light those lanterns and it was very difficult to light those lanterns, so they didn't put them out. It was easier just to add fuel to it. And so at night, at night when they wanted to go to bed, they just put a bowl over that lantern, and it was enough to let it breathe where they, the light wouldn't go out, but it allowed them to sleep. And then when they wanted to see, you know, they'd get up and remove the bowl, and they would have light. See, light illuminates. Light helps you to see things that are in the dark that you normally cannot see. It lights up an area so that you can see. And I want you to know that's what God's called us to do, to be the light of the world. He's called us to be the light of the world. You see, today I want you to understand that light removes darkness. Many, how many of you have ever made this statement about maybe a person or a thought that you got? Maybe you've said, I saw the light. Has anybody ever made that statement? I saw the light about them. Yes, that's a popular statement. I saw the light. And that's exactly what happens when people see Jesus in you, is they see the light. And Jesus said, listen, you should not hide your light. Listen, there is no such thing as a, as a secret Christian. Hello? Either your secrecy will take out your light, or either your light will take out your secrecy. Did you see that? So you can't have it both ways. When Jesus said, you know, if you deny me on earth, I'm going to deny you before my Father. You can't have it both ways. And so, listen, we're to live our lives proudly of shining the light of Jesus Christ and be proud of who we are. I know the world right now tells us, you know, uh, that we should keep that to ourselves and we shouldn't do it. I'm telling you what, listen, the, the darker the night, the brighter the light, right? No matter how small your light is, friend, the darker it gets, the more you can see it. You don't believe me? All right, watch this. Right now, we're going to kill the lights around here. Get your lights ready. You ready? 
Ready? On the count of three, they're going to kill the lights and you shine them. One, two, three. Go ahead, shine your light. Look around the room. Look around. That's what everybody sees around you. They see that in this dark world. They see that little light of yours. And they find hope because you are the light of the world. Amen? Amen. We can turn the lights back on now. You're the light. That little light that you have right now in darkness is shining out. And I want you to know that God is counting on you. And someone's life is at stake. Someone's life's at stake because they begin to look at your light. And listen, when people criticize your light, it's really easy to, to try to hide your light. But Jesus said, don't hide your light. Let them, shine, let them see it. Okay, Matthew 5.16 says this. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your what? Your good deeds and praise your Father where? Now, now again, we said that, you know, let's do it again. You ready? The salt, you ready? I do the bringing... And Jesus does the changing. All right, I know you got to pick it up. You ready? Here we go. I do the bringing, and Jesus does the changing. Now you say, Pastor Jeff, so Jesus is the light. How do we, how do we become the light? Here it is. You know, the sun, the S-U-N, is in the sky shining today, right? That's when we have daylight. But tonight when the sun uh, goes away behind the earth, right, when the earth rotates and we can't see it, we'll see something else in the sky. What is that? The moon, right? But does the, the scientists tell us that the moon does not have any source of light. What does it do? It reflects the light from the sun, right? And therefore we see the moon. You and I are like the moon. We're reflecting the light of Jesus Christ in our life. We're not the light, but we've received the light, and therefore it makes us a light to the world. That's how it works. We're the light. We're the light. And he said, let your good deeds. You know what? How many of you ever experienced show and tell when you was in school? Anybody besides me? That was my favorite day on Friday, show and tell. You know, show and tell. And people would bring in the craziest stuff, right, to show and tell. And so Jesus said, your life on this earth is to be show and tell. Let them see you and then tell about it. See, it's character and then conversation. Once they see your light, you have, your character is growing into God's character. And then once they do that, you have a conversation. Now, it's not show your tell. Okay, you'll get that when you get home, right? Too many people show their tail and try to use God's name, right? That doesn't work. Too many people use God's name in vain. They cuss like a sailor. They cheat on their husbands and their wives, and, and they're doing all these things, but yet they're saying, oh, now Jesus is inside of me. Let me tell you something, friend. The world's smarter than that. It's show and tell. Show and tell. I want to help you this week. I want to help you take this step to lead someone to Christ. Inside of your program right now, there is a plan that I have. I'd like for everyone to take your program out. There's a plan that I've written for you to help you invite someone to church this week. Again, so we have on Monday, we call Me Monday. That means that we're going to fast and we're going to ask God to help us uh, get someone to come to church for us. So instead of eating, so tonight, like you eat your last meal tonight, like at 5 o'clock, I'm asking you to fast for a 24-hour period. That means that you're not going to eat again until 5 o'clock tomorrow afternoon. But while you're starving to death at breakfast, you're going to pray. And when you get more hungry at lunch, you're really going to pray. And about 3 o'clock, you're really going to be praying, right? That's what fasting is all about. I want to encourage you to do that. Then Tuesday, I want you to just tell a friend Tuesday. That's where I want you to personally ask someone to come to you. One of our Easter services. And Rhonda and I, we've got four people that are coming with us that don't go to church. We're so thankful to God for that. Wednesday, Web Wednesday, email a friend, text Tuesday, text an Easter invite to your friend, 
And then Friday, which we're going to have service that night, is Facebook Friday. Tell them we're on our way. Invite someone to come to either Friday or Sunday service. There's a plan. Now, if you will do this with me, if you say, Pastor Jeff, I'll do my best to do that with you. Would you, on the back of your connection card right now, just check that box on the back? It says, I will do my best. I will do my best to follow the plan on my outline to invite others to our Easter service. Would you do that to an Easter service? Okay. I'm going to pray with you this morning, and I'm going to ask you to do one other thing with me. Would you just go ahead and stand with me now, if you don't mind? Have I told you how good you look today? Man, you are a good-looking group of people. Somebody, who hung the sign up out there? No ugly people allowed. Bunch of good-looking people here today. I'm going to pray for you in just a moment. And when I conclude this prayer, I want to ask you to do one other thing for me. On the steps are names of people that wrote, they wrote down a name of a person last week that they're inviting to come. They're trying to get them to come. I'm going to ask you to come when I say amen. I'm going to ask you that will to come and pick up one of these cards. And I'm going to ask you to pray over this card. You don't know who this person is, but God does. In order that we might work together to shake the salt and shine the light. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day you've given us. Thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit. God, thank you for the people here, God, that believe in your cause. And I ask you today that you would bless them in a great way. And Father, as we take one of these cards today, we ask that you would touch this person's life. Because, Lord, we're here to make a difference in the world. We're, Lord, we're here to make a difference for your kingdom. And we know that as we work for you, oh God, through good deeds, Lord, that your light's going to shine. And, God, that our lives are going to get better. We just thank you for that. And, God, I pray as we take a card here this day that you will begin touching, Holy Spirit, the lives of the person named that's written on this card. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I hope you enjoyed the message today. I would like to stop right here and offer an opportunity for you to say a special prayer. If you're listening today and you're not a Christ follower, I would encourage you to pray this prayer. And it simply says this. Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. Guide my life help me to do your will if you prayed that prayer today would you email me my email address is jeffdaws1 at sccview.net the spelling of my name is j-e-f-f d-a-w-s the number one at sccview.net Again, thank you for joining us today. And by the way, if you'd like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church that others may hear the good news of Jesus, I would challenge you to go to our website at www.secview.net and click the Give link at the top of the web browser. And there's many ways that you can give there. Again, thank you so much for joining us today. It is our pleasure to come to where you are and share the gospel. God bless you.